0: Good evening. Doomsday scenario presented at the Climate Talks. Biden apologizes for Trump. Mansion won't back down. The trial of the teenage Kenosha killer. Abortion law showdown at the Supreme Court. And taxi hunger strikers at City Hall. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Monday, November 1st, 2021. World leaders turned up the heat and resorted to end-of-the-world rhetoric Monday in an attempt to bring new urgency to sputtering international climate negotiations. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson.
1: Welcome to Glasgow and to Scotland, whose most globally famous fictional son is almost certainly a man called James Bond, who generally comes to the climax of his highly lucrative films strapped to a doomsday Device, and we are in roughly the same position, my fellow global leaders, as James Bond today. Except that the tragedy is this is not a movie.
0: United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said humans are digging our own graves. Barbados Prime Minister Mia Motley warned leaders not to allow the path of greed and selfishness to sow the seeds of our common destruction. World leaders met today for their first full day of talks at the global, uh, global climate meeting, which is known as COP26. Doug Wood reports.
1: Top 26 the UN's global climate meeting, began its first full day of business in Glasgow with addresses by some of the world's most powerful political leaders, while activists outside complained there was too much talk and too little action. Swedish activist Greta Thunberg accused world leaders and government officials inside the conference of, quote, pretending to take our future seriously, unquote. Change is not going to come from the inside, she said, adding, no more blah, blah, blah. President Joe Biden offered a public apology for his predecessor Donald Trump's move to pull the U.S. out from the Paris Accord. I shouldn't apologize, said Biden, but I do apologize for the fact that the United States, the last administration, pulled out of the Paris Accords and put us sort of behind the eight ball a little bit. French President Emmanuel Macron and Britain's Queen Elizabeth made impassioned pleas of the world's biggest emitters to immediately step up commitments to curb carbon emissions. Sir David Attenborough called on the delegates to kickstart what he called a wonderful recovery from climate change. His speech, accompanied by beautiful video shots of the natural world and soaring orchestral music was a highlight of the day.
2: Perhaps the fact that the people most affected by climate change are no longer some imagined future generations, but young people alive today, perhaps that will give us the impetus we need to rewrite our story to turn this tragedy into a triumph. We are, after all, the greatest problem solvers to have ever existed on Earth. We now understand this problem. We know how to stop the number rising and put it in reverse. We must have carbon emissions, salt them this decade. We must recapture billions of tons of carbon from the air. We must fix our sights on keeping one and a half degrees within reach. A new industrial revolution powered by millions of sustainable innovations is essential and is indeed already beginning. We will all share in the benefits, affordable clean energy, healthy air and enough food to sustain us all, so that all nations have a good standard of living and a modest footprint. We're going to have to learn together how to achieve this, ensuring none are left behind. We must use this opportunity to create a more equal world, and our motivation should not be fear, but
1: hope. The first two days of COP26 are designed for world leaders to meet and agree to some broad principles to address climate change, with the rest of the summit reserved for agency heads and scientists to figure out how to accomplish what the leaders agreed on, the same formula that was successful in Paris six years ago. Doug Wood, WBAI News, New York.
0: Thanks, Doug. And President Biden, speaking in Rome where he had attended the G20 Economic Summit over the weekend, said the United States was committed to zero emissions by mid-century, Then added a SOP to the oil companies, expect fossil fuels to be around for some time.
3: We're going to COP to deal with renewable energy, and and I'm saying, watching. I think, though, that if anybody thinks about it, no one ever thought that tomorrow, for example, it's going to take us uh, between now and 2030 to have half the vehicles in America electric vehicles. So the idea we're not going to need gasoline for automobiles is just not realistic. But we will get to the point that by 2050, we have zero emissions.
0: Biden also apologized for former President Donald Trump's move to pull the United States out of the Paris Climate Accord. While in Rome, Biden went on to blast Trump for pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal, saying the United States continues to suffer because of the former president's decision.
3: Yesterday, together with Prime Minister Johnson and Merkel and Macron... Uh, President Macron, we came together to uh, to reiterate our shared belief that diplomacy, diplomacy is the best way to prevent Iran from gaining a nuclear weapon, and we discussed how best to encourage Iran to resume serious good-faith negotiations. I think we're continuing to suffer from the very bad judgments that President Trump made in pulling out of the JCPOA, and uh, so that's one issue, and that issue is going to depend on whether and how that gets resolved. Is going to depend on their action and the willingness of our friends who were part of the original agreement to stick with us and make sure there's a price to pay economically for them to fail to come back. With regard to the issue of how we're going to respond to actions taken by them against interest in the United States, whether they're drone strikes or anything else, is we're going to respond and we're going to continue to respond.
0: On Sunday, the United States Air Force flew a B-1B strategic bomber over key maritime choke points in the Mideast amid ongoing tensions with Iran. The bomber flew Saturday over the Strait of Hormuz, the narrow mouth of the Persian Gulf, through which 20 percent of all oil traded passes. It also flew over the Red Sea, its narrow strait and Egypt's Suez Canal. Fighter jets from Bahrain, Egypt, Israel and Saudi Arabia flew alongside the bomber. And in Washington, the Supreme Court justices heard arguments on the intention of the Texas abortion law. They delved into whether the vigilante law, which enables private citizens to sue anyone who has a connection to a woman's abortion, was designed to prevent judicial review. Linda Perry reports.
4: A majority of the Supreme Court signaled it would allow abortion providers to pursue a court challenge to the Texas law. It was put in place on September 1st. It's the most restrictive abortion law since 1973's Roe v. Wade. SB 8, Senate Bill 8, bans abortions in Texas past six weeks of pregnancy when women may not even know they are pregnant. The Texas law was written to make it difficult to mount legal challenges. It subjects, clinics, doctors, and others, who facilitate an abortion to large financial penalties. Abortion clinics in Texas estimate the law bans somewhere between 85% and 90% of the procedures they provide. Women's abortion rights groups say this effectively bans abortions in the state. The justices heard three hours of arguments in two cases over whether abortion providers or the Justice Department can mount federal court challenges to the law. Its defenders argue the enforcement scheme shields the law from federal court review. But the justices questioned the intent of the vigilante enforcement aspect of the law, which deputizes private citizens. Justice Brett Kavanaugh expressed concern about taking legal power out of the hands of state officials and giving it to private citizens through laws that might affect other constitutional rights.
5: The uh, amicus brief for the firearms um Uh, Policy Coalition says, quote, this will easily become the model for suppression of other constitutional rights with Second Amendment rights being the most likely targets, end quote. And it could be free speech rights, it could be free exercise of religion rights, it could be Second Amendment rights. If this position is accepted here, the theory of the amicus brief is that it can be easily replicated in other states that disfavor uh, other constitutional rights.
4: About the Texas law, Justice Kagan said if the Supreme Court doesn't do anything about it, it would be inviting states to try to flout precedents.
6: If that's right, you know, and we say that, uh, we would live in a very different world from the world we live in today. Essentially, we would be inviting states, uh, all 50 of them, with respect to their unpreferred constitutional rights, to try to nullify the law that this court has laid down as to the content of those rights—I uh, mean, that was something that until this law came along, no state dreamed of doing. And essentially, we would be like, we're, you know, we're open for—you're open for business. There's there's a there's there's nothing the Supreme Court can do about it. Guns, same-sex
4: marriage, religious rights, whatever you don't like, go ahead. Arguing for the United States, Solicitor General Elizabeth Prologer told the justices if states are permitted to hand over their enforcement authority to private individuals, then no constitutional right is safe. No constitutional decision of this court is safe. She ends by saying that would be an intolerable state of affairs. It's unclear how quickly the court will rule and whether it will issue an order blocking the Texas law that's been in effect for two months, or if it will require providers to ask a lower court to put the law on hold. Under the Supreme Court's 1973 Roe v. Wade decision and 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey decision, states are prevented from banning abortion before viability, the point at which a fetus can survive outside the womb around 24 weeks of pregnancy. The justices will hear a separate challenge to those decisions in a case over Mississippi's ban on abortion after 15 weeks. Those arguments are set for December 1st. Linda Perry, WBAI News, New York.
0: And thanks, Linda. In more news on women's right to choose an abortion, Polish protesters paid tribute today to a woman who died in the 22nd week of pregnancy with reproductive rights activists saying she's the first person to to die as a result of a restriction of Poland's abortion law. People lit candles on All Saints Day, a religious holiday, when Poles visit cemeteries and mourn the dead. They placed the candles in front of Constitutional Tribunal in Warsaw, which issued a ruling last year that led to the tightening of what was already one of Europe's most restrictive abortion laws a lawyer specializing in medical malpractice wrote on social media friday about the death of the woman whose fetus lacked amniotic fluid she said the doctors waited for the fetus to die and after that the woman died from septic shock she called the death the consequence of the constitutional court's ruling And on Capitol Hill today, Senator Joe Manchin wavered on his support for President Joe Biden's sweeping $1.75 trillion domestic policy proposal, saying instead it's time to vote on a slimmer $1 trillion infrastructure package that is stalled amid talks.
3: To be clear, I will not support the reconciliation legislation without knowing how the bill will impact our debt and our economy and our country. And we won't know that until we work through the text. For the sake of our country, again, and I am urging all of my colleagues in the House to vote and pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill. It's bipartisan, 69 votes. We worked on that for many, many months. As I've said before, holding that bill hostage is not going to work to get my support of what you want. It's what we should all agree on and work through the process. I'm open to supporting a final bill that helps move our country forward, but I'm equally open to voting against a bill that hurts our country. And I've been very clear about that also. And most importantly, it hurts every American. Let's work together.
0: And that's Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. The stakes are high with Biden overseas at a global climate change summit, as we reported earlier. His party fighting in two key governor's races this week, Virginia and New Jersey, that are seen as bellwethers in the political mood of the electorate. With Republicans staunchly opposed and no votes to spare, Democrats have been trying to unite progressives and centrist lawmakers around Biden's vision. And in Wisconsin, the trial of Kyle Wittenhouse opened today with the challenging task of seating jurors who hadn't already made up their minds about the young, aspiring police officer who shot two people to death and wounded a third during a night of anti-racism protests in Kenosha last year. The protest came after a black man, Jacob Blake, was shot in the back by police officers in the Wisconsin city just weeks after the killing of George Floyd. The shooting resulted in days of civil unrest.
1: Injured, and our job is to protect this business, and part of my job is also
0: And that was the sound of Kyle Rittenhouse shortly before the shooting. By state, by late afternoon today, at least 28 of the 150 or so prospective jurors summoned had been dismissed. About a dozen of them because they had strong opinions about the case, and they couldn't, and they had doubted if they could be fair. Circuit Judge Bruce Schroeder.
7: And the defendant in this case is a gentleman by the name of Kyle Rittenhouse. And he is here with his lawyers, Mr. Mark Richards and Mr. Corey Shirofficy and Ms. Natalie Wisco. In this case, the information contains seven counts alleging various levels of unlawful activity. The first charge is that on the 25th of August of 2020 at the city of Kenosha, in this county that the defendant recklessly caused the death of Joseph D. Rosenbaum under circumstances which show utter disregard for human life. The second count charges first-degree recklessly endangering safety and alleges that at the same time and place, the defendant recklessly endangered the safety of another, Richard McGinnis, under circumstances which show utter disregard for human life. The third count charges that the defendant committed an additional crime of reckless endangerment of the first degree at the same time and place by recklessly endangering the safety of an unknown person under circumstances showing an utter disregard for human life. The fourth count charges that at the same time and place, the defendant caused the death of Anthony M. Huber with intent to kill that person. This is a charge literally known as intentional homicide of the first degree. The fifth count charges that at the same time and place, the defendant attempted to cause the death of Gage Grosskreutz with intent to kill that person. This is a crime literally known as attempted intentional homicide of the first degree. The defendant is not obliged to prove his innocence. The entire burden of proof is upon the district attorney to establish the guilt of the defendant beyond a reasonable doubt. If the state is unable to sustain that burden, then the jury is bound to find the defendant not guilty.
0: Now, with Circuit Judge Bruce Schroeder, the jury that is ultimately selected in the politically charged case will have to decide whether Rittenhouse acted in self-defense, as his lawyers claim, or was engaged in vigilantism when he opened fire with an AR-15-style semi-automatic rifle. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul Durianzo. In local news, the Uniform Firefighters Association continued to fight the vaccine mandate as it went into effect today. At a news conference, union officials asked the city for an extension, saying that the FDNY is already short-staffed and can't afford to lose more members. But at a news briefing earlier today, Mayor de Blasio said the city would not back down and would take legal action if city workers violated the Taylor Law, which prohibits city workers from striking.
5: Agree with it or not, it is the law, and it's time for people to follow the law. A number of labor leaders have actually been strong and noble in saying it's time to get vaccinated. In a few unions, we're seeing the opposite, where the union leaders are not being at all helpful. Whether it rises to a violation of the Taylor law, whether these union leaders have now crossed the line, we are watching every single thing they say and do, every email every tweet we are watching everything if we see a violation of the taylor law we will be in court
0: immediately the mayor said although thousands of firefighters and other city workers stayed home today the vast majority came to work the number of
5: total city workers at this moment total for a workforce of almost 400,000 who are on leave without pay is approximately 9,000 so i really want to, i'm saying the facts really clearly for everyone out there to hear I would urge everyone to get this and and express this accurately. 9,000 at this hour have chosen leave without pay. They are not vaccinated. They did not validly apply for one of the exemptions. 9,000. Now, remember, any hour, any of those 9,000 can say, wait a minute, I'm willing to get vaccinated and come back. And we saw over the weekend a lot of that happening. Thousands of people changing their minds, coming back.
0: He said stories of uh, closed firehouses are wrong, but admitted many units within the FDNY are severely understaffed. And Police Commissioner Dermot Shea said the NYPD is in control of the situation.
5: The numbers I had from this morning were on the uniform side of the police department. We had 34 people placed on the no pay status as of this morning. I would remind people that's 34 out of roughly 35,000 workforce. Um, On the civilian side, it is slightly higher rate. It's 40 members were placed on no pay out of roughly 17,000 employees. That's very fluid. That could go up as the day goes on. It could also go down as people get their vaccination status.
0: Police Commissioner Dermot Shea, but Sanitation Commissioner Edward Grayson admitted under direct questioning that last week as many as 30 garbage trucks were sabotaged with their coolant hoses cut.
2: Uh, actually, Julie, you had, you had great intel. It was coolant lines, um, and the trucks were able to be repaired, um, and we were able to complete service in that uh, community board. It was in Queens, and we completed service in that community board on time.
0: And that's the Sanitation Commissioner, Edward Grayson. Meanwhile, the commissioner said the department was catching up on trash pickup after slowdowns left garbage piled up on the streets in Brooklyn and Staten Island. And finally, demolition began at the East River Park on Manhattan's Lower East Side today with construction crews tearing up 16 tennis courts for a future parking lot for work vehicles. All this is for a controversial multi-year city-backed East Side Coastal Resiliency Plan which will clear-cut 1,000 mature trees in the 50-acre biodiverse park to build a 10-foot wall of landfill, plant saplings and cover it in astroturf with the idea of preventing a future Hurricane Sandy flooding building and streets on the Lower East Side. Activists with East River Park Action who have sued the state over alienation, arguing the plan was conceived in secret after dropping a community-agreed plan that would have built a long wall along the FDR and kept the park intact. After cutting down a section of the fence, a dozen protesters staged a sit-in at the entrance. Rebecca Miles was there and spoke to Allison Colby, who joined the protest.
6: I'm here because the park is vital and it saves a lot of lives because we have trees that give us oxygen, trees that soak up the dumping rains we're having now because of climate change. And if they go through with this, we're not going to have that and we won't have it for another who knows how long because they also haven't given us any timeline about this plan that they're going through with on Esker. Now, where you're standing right now, what we're watching in the background is this is, is, this is a tennis court and they're tearing it up. What's yes. going on? So they're they're leaving four tennis courts and they're taking out these. And this is the first day of construction on the Esker plan. And we don't know what exactly they're going to do. It looks like they took out the wall and they're going to put in a gate. And I, I did hear this morning that they intend to close this road because there are going to be trucks going in and out, because this is a place where they're going to put equipment and trucks and whatnot. And uh, at the moment, I understand that the the lawsuit that was filed against this project is now in appeals. What's happening with that? What I saw on Wednesday, um, uh, what I was told about that is that it will be a month. It It could be a week or it could be three months before we get a decision on that. But in the meantime, if we see them come in here and do irreparable harm, like cut a tree down because you can't repair a tree, we could get an injunction to stop the work. So that's what we're—that's why we're here. And tomorrow, of course, is the election. We yes. get a chance to vote in a new mayor. Uh, we also get to return certain city council members. Yes what what you what's your advice on that uh well carlina rivera totally sold us out she she is one of the people who is responsible for this and she won't give any information to the community about the timeline on this plan um and so i personally voted for Ally ryan who is also on the ballot because she is here today with us and has been since sunrise She is also involved in the shenanigans on Governor's Island with the upzoning out there. She fought against that. And she is for the community. She is standing with the community. You know, the other larger issue about this for me personally is this is literally the only park left in Manhattan without anything commercial in it. This is a huge land grab from my point of view, as is Governor Island. The stuff that's going out in, uh, you know, the stuff that happened in Prospect Park with the Botanic Garden and the towers. What's going on on Staten Island with Graniteville. I think that's what it's called, where they wanted to build a big box store. It's unreal to me that so much of our public space has been completely eroded or taken away. I mean, in all, you know, in the Soho Noho upzoning, just it's like, what are we? Come on. There are people who live in this city, and we're not all rich people. So that's why I'm here.
0: That was Allison Colby, who spoke to WBAI's Rebecca Miles. Later in the morning, Allie Ryan, who's running for District 2 city council seat against Carlina Rivera, and one other person were arrested. Calls to NYPD confirmed the arrest with charges pending. that's some of the news from monday november 1st 2021 the news producer linda perry and rebecca miles our engineers Reggie johnson from new york city i'm paul durienzo thanks for listening